Hello, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio, and welcome to another episode of Renegade Roundtable with my guest, my husband, Terrence. So, hey, Terrence, how are you? I'm good. So, I thought it would be interesting since um, I was brought up in a very religious home, and there were certain... uh, I want to say not even not like restrictions, but certain things in the Bible that I have not actually been taught in church and in my family. So him and I are going to start talking about that today. So what's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> How's everybody doing today? They're doing pretty good. I see like two people that were listening earlier, so my last podcast, so hopefully they'll come over and say hi in this one when it's Yes, post. hopefully they will. Yeah. So, what are some things that you think that um, the church in general has not been very um, elaborate on as, as far as like in-depth teachings and stuff? Number one, I think the church has failed... I think the church has failed on not just, um, and I want to say failed. I would say, uh, in other words, they had a hard time explaining to people who are new to the faith and who are new to the church about, you know, there's a saying that it says, um, once you're saved, you're always saved. (laughs) And I used to believe that. I don't know more. Now, are we perfect? No. Will we ever be perfect? Absolutely not. Because if we were perfect, there would be no Jesus, um... God knew from day one, Adam and Eve were going to screw up. He knew it. Then you ask, well, why'd he put the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there if he knew he was going to mess up or if they were going to mess up? He did it because he wanted to test their loyalty. Even though he knew they were going to do it, he still had the hope that they wouldn't. And see, even to this day, God is still hoping that some of these people will turn to him and repent. Even though he knows that they will or they won't, he still hopes. See, and God is a God of hope. Um, Because we can't, he can't come down and he can't force us to, you know, do certain things. He can't force us to love him or, or worship him or any of that stuff like that. It has to be our choice. And I think, you know, Sarah, my wife Sarah, she was talking about the church. I'm going to talk more lines of, she was talking about the, uh, the religious Mindset. Mindset of the church. I want to talk more about the family. Okay. Because if you go back past the church, past all that, it starts with the family. I mean, if you if you look at the Bible, before there was a church, before there was a priest or a prophet, there was a father. The first father of the faith, if you think about it, was Abraham. He said, I'll make you a father of many nations. He didn't say, I make you a pastor. He didn't say, I make you, he said, I make father. you a father of many nations. So what I'm trying to say is, is this, 
pastors in churches spend a lot of time coddling their members when they should be going out and fathering the next generation. It's a whole different thing to pastor a flock and to father a flock. Two different two different types of ordeals. But I think you can do both. And I think that's where a lot of pastors get too wrapped up in the church and the ministry aspect of it and not so much of the fathering and the, and the raising up part of it. Um, if you If you've gone to a church and you've only seen like one pastor for like the last like 20 or 30 years, I would leave that church in like tomorrow. Because if you don't have, if that pastor doesn't have a second pastor, an assistant pastor, a third pastor, people he's raising up under him, you kind of have to question the congregation. Like, what well, what are you doing? What are you passing that on to? You can't do it forever. And not only that, you can't do everything. And I, sometimes I feel like if you're a pastor of a church and you're trying to do everything, then maybe you should take some of that responsibility and trust someone else to do the other stuff so you can just focus on what you need to do. What I'm trying to say is there's a lot of churches and there's a lot of, I should say, a religious spirit that basically forces people to say, you can go to church every Sunday and you can read your Bible and that's enough. No, that is not enough. I don't know anybody on here. I don't know what your belief system is. I don't know whether you're a Christian. Shoot, you can be Buddhist. You can be, you can think there's a higher power. Agnostic. Whatever your, whatever you believe, whatever your religion is. I'm telling you guys right now, there's only one God, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, if you disagree with me, that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, but what I'm telling you guys is that God is a God of love. He's not a God of rituals and, you know, different type of you need to wear this because it's a holy setting. Mm -hmm. You need to talk like this to be holy. Yes, you know, we do have to do certain things. And the Bible says that to straighten our path to make us, you know, closer to God. But what I've noticed, you should want to do it willingly. You should get so close to God where sin becomes so unattractive and what God really wants becomes attractive. I want to say that again. Pastors should not force you to live a certain life because you being close to God, if you're in the presence of God on a daily basis, you should not have to worry about sin because what is sin, sin should become more or less attracted to you. And what God wants and what his desires are should be more attractive. So you won't have to worry about sinning. See? Mm-hmm. There's a difference. That's the whole reason about being in the presence of God. That's the whole reason about being in a five-fold ministry. And what a five-fold ministry is in a church is the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the, and the pastor. And, and the prophet. So, I'm going to say it again because I messed up. <laughs> the teacher, the prophet, prophet. the evangelist, evangelist, and the teacher. Teacher. 
That's called the five-fold ministry. In a church, that should be the four pillars of your church. If you do not have those four pillars, I'm questioning your, your congregation in your church. Mm. That's pretty good. Yep. Still talking about the same thing. Yeah, I'm going to still talk about the same thing. Um, from my experience in the church, it was always, um, I think it wasn't just the church that had an influence on me of like dressing nice, acting a certain way and being polite and all that. Um, I think it was also my family, uh, putting on your Sunday best was like a thing, um, constantly giving, offering, constantly saying you know, certain prayers, listening to the preacher until, <laughs> until like, after service, and then you go out to eat and then go somewhere else and then go home and take a nap. That's And again, that's a, that's a religious yes. cycle that was probably made by your mom and then her mom and then yeah. her mom and then her mom and then... <laughs> Grandma June bug and <laughs> Grandma June and May and March and, and all that stuff too, but 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 seriously, guys, if you think about it, we are all creatures of habit. We do we wake up and we're we do the same things. We follow the same months. Think about it. We wake up. It's Monday again. It's Tuesday again. It's Wednesday again. Oh, it's Friday. Then we go back to Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday. same like the time, we've we're we're, we're creatures who are controlled by time. Uh-huh. You could say that's a religious cycle. So even human beings are controlled controlled by time. Uh-huh. One of the greatest things that God is not controlled by time. is time, which is why He is God. But Sarah was saying about. How her family, um, the way they did things was just so, like... Perfectionist. Perfection, and kind of so, like, religious. And, you know, they felt like that's what they believed in, and that's what they were doing right by God in doing that. But to them, that was right. And the biggest thing with um, my family was like, oh, you're not supposed to say God without, like, praying or talking to him. Like, that was just, like, saying the Lord's name in vain. Well, it does say in the Bible, it says, do, do not swear by, you know... Well, I any, understand that. But I see what you're saying is, is like, I I highly doubt God's going to come down with the lightning bolt when you just and, say, and the bow and arrow God. and shoot you in the back because you say God. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, though, with... There is a religious spirit in the church... And it's been there for thousands of thousands of years, and it starts and it started with the it started with the Catholic Church. If you look at the Catholic Church and if you look at how they do their rosaries, rosaries and all their different things, um, you have to go back to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot of um, a lot of the celebrities you see on TV are Catholic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are a lot of people are Catholic. More people than you realize. And I think what Could it you? is and I think and I think the Pope is like the most powerful, probably greater than any 
religious scholar there is now. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make a point. Um, when you started talking about Catholicism, um, when Jesus died on the cross, it said that the veil in the temple was torn, right? Mm-hmm. Could Catholicism be that religion where the veil is still intact? Because they still go to a pastor. They still go to a priest. They still go to a certain facility in order to get their sins forgiven, except besides going directly to Christ. Well, I would say yes and no. I would say only certain people of that area and that generation when Jesus died actually knows how powerful that probably was. Um, I take it back to if you look at um, Rome. If you look at Rome, Rome was a great empire. It was structured about control, manipulation, all that stuff. And even Rome... You know, Julius Caesar, like, all those people, they even intertwined with the Jews back mm. then. You know, and, like, they even, it was politics and religion. So, even back then. And even now. And even now. So, like, I, and I don't, tr- to t- tell you the truth, I don't think they should be mixed. No. I don't think they should be mixed. I think... Jesus was right when he says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And I think he was saying that it was like, he said, respect your authority, but don't put nothing above, don't, 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 put not respect me too. Give what is given, right, give, give what is owed right. to Caesar and give what is right to God. And the order he was saying is pay your bills, do what you have to do by government authority, but don't neglect me. Mm-hmm. That's what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And I think right now what I think is interesting is God's doing a very unique thing in Christianity where he's taking the church from a church building and he's making it different in an aspect where you think about a church, you think about a building, but really the whole church that Jesus was talking about all the way in all the books of the Bible was actually his by his own body, his people. That's what even Jesus's body, babe, because oh. he told the Pharisees. He looked at the Pharisees. He says, "Tear down this temple." He says, "In three days, I'll I'll rebuild it again." He wasn't talking about that temple. He was talking about his body. So he was mm-hmm. already prophesied. He said, "That's right." Cause he the says, body "You're is gonna a temple as well." So he was already prophesying that you guys are gonna kill me. Mm-hmm. And he said, "In three days, my father's gonna raise me back to life again." So he was already prophesying to them, already saying, "I'm gonna be, I'm gonna raise in three days. You're gonna tear this te- this temple down." So he called his body a temple. Mm-hmm. So when he came to Simon Peter and he says, "Who do men say I am?" He says, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God." What did Jesus tell Peter? He says, "On this rock I will build my church." So he was telling Peter, he's not, he was not telling, talking about a building. He was talking about his ecclesia which he's talking about a group of people mm-hmm. he wanted to raise up to carry on that inheritance to others. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
I was watching a YouTube video about the explanation, like it was explaining the book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel, you know, saw this grand vision of the glory of Christ, and it was leaving the temple because people were worshiping other gods, putting things before him, and so he left that church. And then Ezekiel started seeing, um, uh, I want to say like a graveyard of just bones, dry bones being ro risen up and their hardened hearts being brought back to purity, bringing back the, the people of God into that real love and stuff. And then towards, I want to say the end of that book of Ezekiel, God came back to that church because all the idols were taken down and all of that. I don't know if that actually has any sort of connection. Do you see any? To what? When you were talking about the ecclesia and raising up certain people and bringing back the church to where it's supposed to be. Well, well... Baby. <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm, I'm about to get... The church was never supposed... God never attended for the church to be a building anyway. I understand that. Yes. Um, The first incident we hear about even a temple or a building was when God put in the heart of King David to build him a, a temple of the Lord. And he put that in the heart of King David. But since King David was a murderer, he says, you can't, your hands can't build my temple. So your son's going to do it. Who was Solomon. He built the first temple of the Lord. So, and before the temple, they had the Ark of the Covenant, which they had certain priests, and they would go in there, and they would, the, in the presence of God, would rest on the covenant. If you committed sin, if you did anything, if you go in there and you committed sin, you will drop dead. That's just the way it was back then. And thank God it's not now because of Jesus, but... That's just how it was. So I think it got so bad where, like in our days now, people, they're not doing churches just for for people to help people. They're doing it because it's a they no tax money. rate. And they yeah. can make as much money as they want. And they can use people. And that's where you see Jesus in the Bible getting the whips and whipping them for even selling in the church. Or in the temple. So... Because he saw it as, you're not coming for my father, you're coming for what is being offered besides my you're father. Basically doing, you're basically doing prostitution. I mean, prostitution. Mm. Okay. You're, you're basically prostituting the Holy Ghost. That's what, that's wow. what people are doing. You're prostituting the Holy Ghost. You're, you're, you're using the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit as prostitution. As a market brand. Yeah. And God, he, Jesus didn't play that. Yeah. That's the one time you ever seen him get mad. He said, you're not going to do that. And I think a lot of churches, they better wake up because a lot of them pastors that's doing that right mm -hmm. now, when Jesus comes back, it's, it's going to be a bad, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. Uh, for example, for the people who are listening, I guess another, like a, 
an example of the prostitution of the Holy Spirit now in the church is, uh, you know, certain preachers who have like big names like um, Joe Osteen or Kenneth Copeland or people like that. Um, not saying that any of those people are bad. Of course, you can form your own opinion about that. But. Listen, everybody, <laughs> all the big name pastors <laughs> like T.D. Jakes, Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, all those great guys. Listen. I'm sure they started out great. I'm mm -hmm. sure God had a call in their life. They started out great, and they just met with the wrong people at the wrong time, and pride came in. Or may, maybe people have spoken wrongly about them, and they really are good, genuine believers in Christ. Because we know what the media could do. Yes, it can manipulate. So, only God knows those certain pastors' hearts, and only God knows... Who they've helped and who they've saved and the wrong that they've done. Um, I try not to talk about too much, like with people I don't know about certain other pastors or something like that, just because um, you just don't know what they've been through. And I remember it's it's funny we're talking about this, babe, because I remember in the scripture Paul writes to us and the Apostle Paul and he says. There's a lot of pastors, too, who are doing stuff out of pride and, you know, malice yeah. and for money. But he says, I count it all joy because people are still getting saved. So we can say, like, this person is doing this and they're supposed to be pastor of the church. But guess what? 20 people came up to the altar and gave their life to Christ. So you can say like, okay. But what if pastors are bankrupting people because of their asking for donations and all of that stuff? But what if someone's hurting and that's the only point of salvation they came close to as a starter? I see that, but what if so? Let's say there's an there like there's um one of those I don't want to say crusades, but just a infomercial. I. A religious infomercial is like, oh, you know, if you pay $123, you get a special religious gift or something like that. If you, so oh, yeah, I mean, there's always, there, I mean, there's always going to be people doing that. There's going to be people who do that till when Jesus comes back. Would God still count that as joy, even though that person is suffering when they give? I think that's only for God to know. Right. Uh, I don't think we, I think the whole point is like, if someone's at church and that and a pastor prays for them and they and that person receives salvation and they are attempting to have a relationship with God, I think God honors that more. He look I put it like this. He looks at that person who was actually destined for hell and is happy and is celebrating because now Cause maybe I have that a soul. A start. I have a soul and this person is coming into my kingdom more so than what that pastor's doing. I see. So even if it is a, um, I wouldn't say corrupt start, but a misled start, God can still veer them yep. onto the right. Because what does it say in the Bible? Even the Lord uses what? The foolish. Mm. Yeah. So even that, God can even use the foolish. But I want to say, if 
there's anybody on here who've struggled with um, just church in general, just the normal, um, maybe it's hard for you to trust maybe pastors or maybe there's, you've been hurt by the church. A lot of people have been hurt by the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to tell you to have create your own space with God where you can be with him and it doesn't have to be around the church you go to or your pastor. Create a place with God where you can be alone with him and it's just you and him. Because I will tell you, one of the greatest moments I've ever had with God was not when I went to church, was not when I was at a huge prayer meeting with people, is when is when I was alone, not even with my wife, mm-hmm. when I was alone in the house by myself with God. And he knows when you're alone with him too. And... What does that look like when you're alone with God for people who wouldn't understand what that even is? Because I know that there's certain people that just think too much about getting into the presence of God, and they can't. Well, I think, number one, the first thing you have to do is, um, one thing I've learned, and I'm still learning it, I'm not perfect at it by any means, but one of the things you have to do is you have to surrender. And what I mean by surrender, I don't mean like you have to like... Lift your hands up? Yeah. What I mean is you have to have a heart posture in that moment with God to say, I know I'm not perfect, Lord. I know I'm a sinful person. I know I'm not perfect. But right now at this very moment, I need you. I need you more than my life. I need you more than I want any this job I have. I need you more than the money that's in my bank account. I need you more than life itself. And when you begin to enter into that mindset, when you when God truly sees you and surrender and he looks at your heart, that's when God will begin to invade into your life and start working things. But see, what what happens is we always go to God with stuff and God says, I don't want to just give you just stuff. He wants you, he says, come and worship me. Come and look to me. The Bible says, first seek the kingdom and all those things and that stuff will be added on to you. He says, stop asking me for the stuff. Just worship me, because once you worship me, I'll give you that stuff. He said, I don't care about that stuff. I just want your attention. I just want to be in your presence. I just I, I just want to be with you. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to take our eyes off of like ourselves when we come to God, because anytime we come to God, whether we pray, we worship, um, either when we sing to him, Whatever we do with God, the first thing we have to do, number one, is take our eyes off of ourself. Yeah. Because once we, when we have our eyes on ourself with God, God's already is like, nope, I'm checked out. It's it's just it's just not it today. Come back tomorrow. Because 
God is not a selfish God. If there's one thing that God is not, God is not selfish. There's no selfishness in his bones at all. Mm-hmm. And if God was, and if God is selfish, then uh, I would say, why did he give his only begotten son? So, Okay, and I want to clarify that um, anybody who's been in the church and who's been in um, that same mentality of like raising your hands up and praising the Lord and all of that stuff and singing to singing praises to Jesus, that's not the only form of worship that you are able to do. Um, there's praise dancing, praise painting. Um, that's one of the things I do. Uh, I praise paint. Um, some people also just sit there and start speaking in tongues. And it just all depends on how God <coughs> approaches you. His presence approaches you. Um, God has given us a creative mind. God's given us creativity, some of us. And you can also use that as a form of worship. Um and not to cut you off, babe, um, worship is not, I want to say this very, very carefully, worship is not something that is, um, how should I put this, uh, It, it comes from the heart. Mm-hmm. So when you worship, um, it's always what your heart loves most. And, you know, that's why in, in the Bible, back in the day, people people used to always ask me all the time, and babe, I think you asked me this once, why did, why did people have to put animals and goats and lambs and all those things on an altar, altar and burn them and all these sacrifices? Well, there had to be a payment. And before Jesus' blood, there had to be a payment for their, for that person's sin. Um, and now, because Jesus paid for our sins, we don't have to do the whole lambs and goats and everything. We, can have, we have access straight from heaven. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that no more. But here's the thing. Jesus still requires our our bank accounts, our marriages, the people that's in our lives, and everything like that. He still, we still need to give him our hearts and our dreams and our the things that we have desires for, and just give them to him. And what I mean, give them to him. I don't mean just give them, I mean just let it go. Don't really focus on it. Like, just like, just let it go. Mm-hmm. And he'll work it all out. Um, Just like me, you know, I, I've been working on a book for several years. And, you know, I know he told me to write it. And I know it's going to happen one day. But also, I feel like that God told me to stop writing it for a season as well. Um, because of personal reasons and 
that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. That just means there's a time and season for everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like more so, I, I truly believe that before God wants to birth that book or that dream in me, he still has to work on me. And the more he works on me, the greater that book is going to become. So what I'm trying to say 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 to you is is that God can give you a dream or he can give you something. And even that could be a form of worship. Because as he gives you that dream or that thing, the process of becoming that or the, of working on that thing and the process of that and you doing that with God can be a form of worship. Because you're doing what already he created you and told you to do. Mm-hmm. So, yep. That's pretty cool. But I hope you guys have uh, enjoyed... Our little podcast. Our little renegade roundtable. My wife wanted me to come <laughs> and talk about talk to you guys about some stuff. So I was like, okay, you'll hear from me probably more often now um, in the future. Again, my name is Terrence, T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E, not E-N-C-E, <laughs> Terrence with the A. Um, and also, anybody who wants to talk to Terrence or me, um, you can always uh, reach us at Rogue Radio 4 on Instagram, Rogue Radio 4 on Twitter, and Rogue Radio, all caps, on YouTube. Yeah, and, any, and if any of you guys, any listeners, by any chance want, like, any prayer, mm-hmm. <clears throat> or just, like, to vet, or anything like that, like, don't be a, don't be scared to reach out to us, and, um, we're, we can always pray for you guys, and support your visions and do what we can to help you so don't be strangers yeah you're welcome to tell us all your comments questions or concerns so all right thank you terrence for being a guest on my little podcast show thank you sarah and i think next time maybe and probably around this weekend um I want to talk a, talk a little bit about um, what does it look like to be a kingdom citizen? What does it look like to um, be a kingdom citizen in the world today? So I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. Um, because you see, in our world, we have all this Black Lives Matter stuff going on. and Fear propaganda. We have all this labeling stuff and... We have all this stuff going on, but what does it look like? What if we, instead of Black Lives Matters or all this stuff, all this FEMA stuff, what if we made our church to say Kingdom's Life, Kingdom Lives Matter? What if we said, like, we're citizens of of a kingdom? So I'm going to talk to you guys this weekend, probably Saturday, about what does that look like and how far are we from becoming that in the world today, and specifically in America. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. See you guys uh, next time. We haven't really got a set date yet, but maybe next week. Right?
No, Saturday. Saturday? Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Yes. Thank you uh, for listening, everybody. Thank you to all. I mean, we're popular than you. Shush. How dare you? (laughs) You get your own podcast. (laughs) No, but see you guys Saturday. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Love you. Bye. Bye. We'll be right back after this message. Right.